at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Welcome to the Author Brand Show. We have lots of rational thoughts, but I always find that a funny clip, so I love playing it because I can always look at my guests in the green room saying, does he get that? I'm not talking about him. It's just a joke. Um, welcome to the show. Today, I'm your host, Doug Crow, the Author Brand Show, where you're going to want to take notes. And if you don't, it's okay because show notes are below. Our guest today has got an amazing background. I can't read his whole profile here because it could be a book unto itself. Um, he's a doctor, all right? So he used to be an account manager at Deloitte. Um, he has a stint as a professional boxer in Argentina, um, except at the medical school, age 37, after being repeatedly told, can't do that. Um, and his, his, his fan of, uh, you know, not being part of the status quo, right? His patients uh, range from A-list celebrities, world-class athletes, because he practices, something near and dear to my heart, regenerative and sports medicine. And he's in search of innovative treatments, and he specializes in that. So he does bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. That's a mouthful. BHRT, um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, cryotherapy. He's dedicated the last 35 years to redefining what it means to have this term, optimal health. So he's got a lot of degrees, um, welcome to death, and author of Cheating Death, Dr. Ram McLean. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. So we got a lot to cover. I, got, I love your topic. Uh, before we do, I want to let people know that we're going to cover some things here, which are maybe they haven't heard before, might be controversial, like your book title. Obviously, you said before the show started, you can't cheat death, but you can do what with your life? You can improve health span. The idea is to not be uh, stricken with the idea that we're going to spiral the drain, you know, and, and, and just continually spiral into old age and ill health, probably more importantly to most than anybody else or anything else. Uh, we used to call it squaring the curve, right? So that we maintain our level of good health, relative good health. And then if we're lucky one day, just die in our sleep. Right. Uh, yeah. That's optimal. Yeah. So that, that's, that's yeah. really the purpose of the book is to let people know that's that right. we have a lot of alternatives now that we didn't know about. Uh, most of us still don't know about to, to increasing our health span. Right. I love that. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I was, I was talking to people about this topic. I'll just talk a little bit. You can please chime in, but yeah, lifespan is one thing, and then there's health span. The difference is lifespan is like how long can you live? And people tend to forget that the last few years of life, you know, medical uh, insurance companies know this better than anybody. It's like we spend what, 80% of our entire like fortune <laughs> passed in the last six months of life. It's usually on things that are like, you know, just propping up the body up. Um, and we see people declining like this. And it's like, okay, my last five, 10, 15 years can be crappy doesn't sound like fun, but we cling to this existence as opposed to cling to optimal health. If I've got that, not paraphrased, but sp spoken, um, what you're, what you're going for here. So there's a lot of things we understand about our bodies. A lot of things you said we don't understand about optimal health. What don't we know? What don't we know is the subject of uh, probably a whole nother book, you know, the, the old expression, you know, there's a lot of things we know that we don't know, but what we don't know, we don't know is always the, the mystery. Right? But right. I think the book, book focuses more on we used to not know, as it were, right, but now know differently. Yeah. And we, we do know that medicine has been progressing uh, almost logarithmically, you know, decade by mm -hmm. decade. Uh, 
and, and if we look back 100 years ago, uh, the advances we've made uh, in 10 years alone, probably less than that, eclipse what we learned in 100 years. So, um, yeah, what, what don't we know um, is, uh, has changed a lot. And, and that's the purpose of the book. I want to spread the word, uh, yeah. you know, along with people like you that help me do so and, and have an interest yeah. in it, which is fortunate. Uh, because it, it is very motivating, if nothing else, to know that we don't have to spiral into old age. Uh, yeah. I've never met anybody, I don't think you probably have either, that said, hey, I'll trade, um, you know, uh, five years of good health for 20 bad ones on the back end, right? Nobody wants to do that. In fact, it's the yeah. opposite. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah, it's a hard question. Well, we don't know. We don't know, of course. What about things that we thought we knew? But in the past few years, like that's not true at all. I mean, I could think of like one obvious one is this food pyramid that we all grew up with. And I was like, well, that's dumb. Um, what, what else besides that? Well, that one's an easy one to debunk because most of the so-called science behind that is epidemiological, you know, retrospective observational studies. And it's most of it really. I was just having this conversation the other day. Probably 90 percent of that stuff is garbage anyway. And anyone who tells you that one way to eat anyway is, you know, run away because it, it, it depends upon so yep. many different factors. But uh, yep. to your question, uh, one thing is uh, two things I would I would easily uh, harp on. One is that, you know, our genes define us. And we realize mm -hmm. now that that's just the beginning, a basis from which we can then alter our path based upon really what's reflected as our epigenetics, how you uh, yep. conduct your, your activities of daily living, we call it uh how you eat how you sleep whether you uh take care of yourself or not in a general sense can affect mm -hmm. your genes which ones are activated and which ones are not so it's not right. like okay well you've got for example this apoe4 gene which everyone associates with alzheimer's uh it's been mm -hmm. in news recently a famous actor has has let everyone know he's got that gene but it doesn't yeah. mean that you're going to fall into that category it means you have a, a window which is tilted that way this vortex yeah. if you uh, but it doesn't mean that if you take care of yourself, you're necessarily going to, you know, spiral into old age with dementia. The other thing that's right. fascinating to me is that we were taught in, in uh, not just in medical school, but since we were born, that the brain is hardwired. Well, we know that's not true. You're not stuck with those cells and only those cells. Uh, first, first of all, you can you can make new brain cells. That's unbelievable to those who were born yeah. 60 years ago. But yeah. also that what we call the plasticity of the brain. You can change right. the way the brain cells function sometimes and it's been proven through unfortunately accidents and and, and, and you know pathologies that we we look into after yeah. the fact and see that this area of the brain was designed to do this but because it was damaged then this right. part of the brain takes over and re right. uh if you will to me those are two easily uh you know harped upon uh yeah fast, uh, new, new uh understandings I was talking to a behavioral psychologist about this and um, talk about personality types. And uh, he said, oh, you can change your personality. I'm like, what? I know you can cognitively, cognitively change them. How do you rewire your personality? You know, and it's like, well, it's and he went through some of what you just said. You can actually start rewiring things on your own if you have the intention to do it and a, a path to do it. I found that pretty fascinating. Um, in terms of health span, um, I want to talk about cryotherapy. Because I've done the the uh, the chamber about two or three times, I've done the ice bath a couple times, so I want to know number one, tell people the benefits of that because you're into that, and then is there a difference between doing the you know negative 300 air or the 50 degree water? 
Well, I'll start with the easier question, which is, uh, you know, you can use either one. You just don't want to stay too long in the, the water-based therapies because yeah. you can get, get hypothermic very And you yeah. say, well, no, come on, you're only at 32 degrees if you're in ice water, um, whereas, you know, you can be in something as cold as 250 below. My, yeah. my machine goes to below, but that's really yeah. cold. But, you know, it doesn't get you to the bone, so to speak. And you don't need to get cold to the bone, by the way. You want a, a change in surface temperature, which tells yeah. the body to release noradrenaline. And believe it or not, I know it sounds funny, but you release heat shock proteins. I know you're getting cold, but that's just their name. And there are benefits mm -hmm. to, to both. Nor, noradrenaline is that, that uh, pick-me-up. That when you leave the three minutes in the cryotherapy, you go, wow, okay, I'm ready for the day. That was better than a cup of coffee. And I don't have the the, the jagginess that comes with it either. That noradrenaline boost gives you a, an uplifted mood. And uh, right. and yet somehow you still seem to be relaxed. And then, you know, underneath all that, the, the heat shock proteins to protect it from the cell. So uh, that's that's an easy one right there. And, and I would argue that it's easier to do the cryotherapy. Now, not everyone has an extra $250,000 in their back pocket, uh, you know, to spend on a, a machine at home. So, yeah, the ice yeah. therapy for 150 bucks, uh, I bought my machine on Amazon where yeah. I get 60 pounds of ice on the tub. And, and really, no, 10 minutes is required at most. You can do it for five right. and get the same at home. Yeah, yeah. And I know uh, it reduces inflammation too, right? It helps other, other benefits to the cold therapy, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a general, uh, a broad stroke of yeah, how it works. Uh, and we all know that inflammation is is not good for you, not just for the painful joints that it helps, uh, you know, you can reverse the inflammation with, with ice. But, you know, there's a new term, inflammaging. We know that inflammation ah. gums up work, so to speak, you know, at a cellular level. Uh, wow. When it, things are inflamed, things aren't functioning properly, and then there's a push-me-pull-you effect there. I, I like to refer to it like exhaust. Uh, so if a cell is not working properly because it's inflamed, either because of its own internal workings or a cell nearby that, again, to use the car analogy, hasn't been tuned properly. And so it's spewing exhaust everywhere, not only uh, mm -hmm. messing with the driver of the cell, the cell itself, but those around it. So yeah, inflammation is oh. a big thing to get rid of. And yeah, the cryotherapies are uh, right. useful for, for that purpose, for sure. Yeah. I did the, um, I was at a, a, a sports medicine place over in Thailand. And some some billionaire built this great complex. And my son and I, he, he's a boxer, like he was. I'll talk about that in a second. So we were working out, and I'm, you know, I'm his dad. So I'm like, you know, it was tiring for me, a little hard. And there was a Russian Olympic athlete in this cold tub. And we're like, oh, I'll try that. And I'm like, ooh, I lasted like a minute. By the third day, I'm like, I could do this. And I did like 15 minutes, which I know a little too long. I was test myself, but I wasn't sore afterwards. So the rest of the week, I could work out as hard as I wanted to jump in that thing and I wasn't sore. I mean, is that, that's good for my body, right? When I'm not sore, is that bad? Does it matter? Well, without getting too far into the weeds, yes yeah. and no, you need to give yourself a little bit of time post-workout before you jump in the cold because there are some studies showing yeah. that you can reduce the body's ability to repair uh, and maybe more uh, importantly or specifically to make muscle. So if you've done a strenuous yeah. high intensity workout where you're trying to build muscle tissue, right. I believe most studies will point to leaving an hour, maybe as much as two between the end of workout and when you jump in the ice bath to ensure that you okay. get the hypertrophy you're looking for. Yeah. Well, we were doing like sauna, steam, and then the ice bath. Maybe, okay, so an hour or two, good to note that. Okay, so this, this is why I love my show because I can get like, you know, advice on these things from my, my professional guests here. So 
All right, so work out, give myself an hour or two, and then I can jump in the, the cold stuff. That's good. Um, and then I have another uh, doctor friend who was talking about oxygen therapy. Um, tell us about that. I got a question about that as well, O2 therapy. Well, I'd love to see if you get similar reactions to hyperbaric oxygen therapy yeah. as you did with the icing therapy, because I've experienced that with bicycling. I know plenty of patients have where normally, let's say, without hyperbaric oxygen therapy, uh, you might do out here in the in Santa Monica Hills, some hill training for two, three days. By the third day on the bicycle in the hills, you're smoked. Your legs are telling you, hey, stop. Yeah. If you do the hyperbaric oxygen uh, therapy after each workout, you can feel just as good not only the third day, but even the fifth day. Um, it aids in recovery in a couple ways, one of which is you're compressing oxygen so that it can get uh, further down the line, so to speak, into the, the blood vessels than it could otherwise, because again, it's, it's becoming right. smaller, access uh, uh, more uh, that way. But also, we know that it helps release um, stem cells from the bone marrow. So those are two mm -hmm. easy explanations anyway as to why it works you could also argue that because of it, this could be considered one of the drawbacks because of the time spent you normally have to we call it a dive uh go diving for at least an hour or so for most of us that's more recovery time than we would normally give ourselves anyway just to sit there and relax afterwards so you can think of at least three mechanisms by that by which that works wow would that work if I've just like, if I got an oxygen bottle and just breathe it, I got to have the, on the whole body on it? That's a great question. But yeah, with hyperbaric oxygen, again, part of the benefit is because of that compression. So the mm -hmm. oxygen it, uh, molecules are smaller and can get further down the line into the blood vessels. So yeah, not going to be the same. No. Okay. Just thinking budget wise, you're not maybe, you know, afford a hyperbaric uh, oxygen chamber, right? So it's... Well, it's, it is a budgetary. There is a budgetary constraint. Uh, some of the soft shells, which don't allow you to dive to as much pressure, as many pounds per square inch, but still considered effective to a large degree, the soft shells, they call them, are probably uh, $15,000 these days. So you could have one at home if, if you don't want to have a car instead. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, yeah, there, there are some constraints to that. Maybe you could split it with the neighborhood, you know, and, and you could all. Pay yeah, there you go. It. Well, probably, yeah, it's probably be against some HOAs, but yeah, it'd be a good idea to share something like that. Cool. Um, that's amazing stuff. So in terms of things people can do for themselves, I'm going to get into the, the higher level things, you know, in terms of that, what can a person do with, you know, as a captain of their own ship, what can they do at home to get a better health span? Great. The do-it-yourself ones are one we already mentioned, the at-home cold therapy. It's even easier. Mm -hmm. I was joking the other day, if you if you live in Canada, just step outside with your skivvies and a t-shirt on, you get your cold yeah. therapy very easily. Uh, mm -hmm. Other than that, um, you know, you, you can, uh, I guess you could, without uh, spending money, you could find a way to heat uh, yourself. Um, you can build your own uh, sauna. Those are yeah. relatively cheap, certainly compared the hyperbaric oxygen. Sure. You're not going to like this answer. Nobody does because, yeah, grandma's been telling me that. Great grandma's been telling me that forever, and everyone knows that. But you know what? Nobody does it. Getting enough sleep, getting a proper amount of exercise, and eating mm -hmm. properly are the three basics that you really need to have. You yeah. can't ignore those. All the other tricks, like yeah. supplements that you can use to benefit yourself, yeah. and that's an individual consideration because some people – you know, I always say you, you read the label on these things, and of course, you're going to buy them all based upon what it boasts on uh, on the label. Yeah. But 
if you do need them and there are ways to to decide whether it's apropos to take some of these supplements, that's something you can do yourself. You can remember to take them. A lot of people keep them in the cupboard, but you know, that's only part of the way you got to actually ingest them. Um, and then there are things that you will need the, the help of a, or you should engage the help of a, a physician or a medical provider, but that you can mm-hmm. do in home. You mentioned uh, uh, earlier hormonal replacement therapy, peptide right. therapy, one of my favorites because the door's mm-hmm. wide open as to what we can develop there. Um, yeah. Those are some easy ones that you can do without, I mean, now gene editing, obviously that's going to require a lot more and certainly a physician. Although I, you know right. what, I say that and there was a documentary I saw where the, I think a, a guy out of uh, the Northwest and Samsco area, I think was selling these gene editing kits and, and um, guys were, were, yeah, were, were, were breeding dogs that were purple and glow in the dark and stuff like that. I know it's right out of a science fiction movie, but wow. yeah, for us, that are doing this for health span and and prudently yeah that's not a do-it-yourself yeah no i always i always fancy doing a a book with a you know guaranteed weight loss book if you read if you apply what's in this book guaranteed lose weight and it was two pages right eat right and exercise you know i probably add sleep to that one but we all know what's right you know movement of any kind is going to be better than non-movement and we all know what reading right means you know it's meeting you know raw food whatever that is for you it's just, uh, it's so simple. It's like, yeah, you can't really, you know, I was talking to somebody about, I wrote, I think I wrote a short article on it years ago about, uh, you know, the reason we're all got kind of screwed up here is because there's, you know, billions of dollars of marketing money telling us, you know, eat milk, don't eat milk, whatever, all these different things, um, supplements, weight loss, gyms, all these things, there's billions of dollars being poured into this stuff, but there's no International Broccoli Growers Association. I looked it up. There is one. <laughs> It says, eat some broccoli every day, you know, and gosh, it's a superfood. What the well, heck? That's that's true. Do you remember, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal or years back, you know, they found something in broccoli that when they isolated the component, I don't remember what it was, but they felt it caused cancer. So broccoli was oh. bad for you. Salt was bad for you, remember? And then they figured out, well, maybe it's not bad for everybody. If you don't eat salt, you might have a problem, especially if you're an athlete. And so, yeah, it, it confuses things. And, and so while yeah. I... I, you know, it sounds mundane to say, oh, sleep and nutrition in, in the book and forget about the book, just in general, uh, there are some uh, nuances, we'll call them, to each of those areas. Uh, yeah. And I think part of the reason why people get confused is because they don't understand some of those nuances, such as, you know, to get enough sleep, unless you have a very rare gene mutation, for example, you need seven right. to nine. Now, people get seven and go, oh, I'm still frustrated. Well, I said seven to nine. And it's not that I said it. That's what the studies say. And it might be oh, yeah. seven and a half for you or eight and a half for me. Oh. And so frustrated with only seven because it didn't do the trick for you. So, mm-hmm. and, and ditto for nutrition. And we touched on that. Anyone who tells you there's one way, they're nuts. You, you find the way that works best for you, not only right. for you genetically, but in your situation, whether it has yeah. to do with your age where you live, what you do for a living, how hard you exercise or don't. And then of course, exercise ditto. And you made a point earlier, no matter what it is, the, the very definition of life includes movement. And so whether it's gardening movement, which is very different than say, an elite amateur's training program on the bicycle, yep. um, right. both of them are valuable and valuable for different reasons. And mm-hmm. that elite amateur athlete would benefit from the gardening and uh, typically, you know, and you go, wait a minute, the guy is on the bike for six hours a day and you still suggest you do some gardening. 
In other words, some really light exercise, absolutely for different reasons, because it does different stuff. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. teasing out the differences there, I think, is important, and in understanding, of course, I think it helps people stay compliant with it because they go, oh, okay, that's what you mean by proper nutrition, sleep, and exercise, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. You know, talk about the, the diet thing. I agree with you 100% because, you know, somebody who was, you know, born in Alaska versus someone who's born in Mediterranean, they have two different, you know, ways that they eat and it's based on epigenetics, based on DNA, based on where they live. Um, every There's so many variances there. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, eat, you know, whale blubber every day and, and be okay here living in, in Charleston. It's just not going to work for me. So name of it but speaking of an alaskan uh there was yeah. a writer a bicycle writer and i'm not gonna remember his name but they had him on the standard way of eating for most bicyclists in a training camp yeah. which involves certain typically high level of carbohydrates and protein yeah. this guy had yeah. an alaskan heritage and when they finally switched him over to a, a higher fat based diet all of a sudden his times came back up to what they expected when they first brought him on the team yeah. Hello, genetics. Hello. I'm, you know, I'm an Inuit. This is my, my, my body was designed this way for a million years. Don't try to mess with that with your new stuff. Yeah. Which, which makes me think I'm wondering because I was in, um, my wife and I spent six months in Brazil and we like, you know, drank every day and we were in better shape than up here eating better than, I, I don't understand why that is, but, uh, we well, don't, I we didn't. Argue that that's another factor that we don't normally account for because it kind of gets into woo woo science. It's hard yeah. to quote unquote prove because it's hard to isolate those that do well with handling stress with things like meditation. Yeah. Uh, we'll finally have the the close enough to the gold standard to be able to say, hey, there's absolute scientific proof to doing so. But I would argue, you know, we call it the uh, vacation phenomena, right? Everyone loses mm. weight even though they drink and eat like a, a, a I don't want to say like a pig, but way off the the path yeah. of their normal diet plan, right? When they're on vacation, but they come home, and they go, oh, yeah, but I lost weight. Not only did I lose weight, I lost fat. More importantly, right? Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah. You're relaxed. You're you're moving again, even if it's just walking around town instead of right. on your in your car. And I would argue, having you know been down to Brazil too, that you know the lifestyle is not necessarily, at least when I was down there, conducive to that kind of stress we live in here. And yeah. that's enough to make it more healthy for sure. People, there's the golden nugget for this conversation right here. Honey, we can move back to Brazil. <laughs> your attitude <laughs> and your and your energy and environment have as much, I'm sort of joking, she's might come in, um, might have as much or more to do with, no, it's okay, you come in if you want. This is a good podcast interview. <laughs> that is really helpful. So I actually tend to be on vacation all the time as I'm working, like I did for those uh, that, that during the pandemic. I was in better shape then. Interesting. Huh. Well, I think it's part of the French paradox we talk about. I'm just picking the French because they're one of the, well, they're the group of Europeans we refer to because yeah. the, the conversation usually starts off with the fact that they drink and they eat a lot of rich food. But if yeah. you go over there, you, you see that they don't eat a lot of that rich food, first of all. Right. They yeah. move a lot and their mm -hmm. life does not revolve around. And this is the same with a lot of different places. I, I, yeah. I lived in Argentina. Off and on, and right. that's the first thing I noticed is that the lifestyle is different. You know, I would come back to to kind of your point about being in Brazil. I would come back first. Of all, I dreaded going down there for whatever reason. Every time I went for three weeks, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm not gonna have a good phone system." And I, then I yeah. got down there, and when it was time to come back to the states, 
for three weeks, dreading coming back to the States. Oh my God, I go to the States. Because you get used to the lifestyle down there. And right. invariably, I would come back and people would say, my God, Rand, what did you do? You look so much better. You look so much different. You look so relaxed and healthy. Well, my Man. lifestyle was getting up at six o'clock at a minimum every morning. We were on set or training or doing something at 7.30 in the morning, okay? Skipping yep. breakfast. I was, I was lucky to have what they call uh, a corterito, a little espresso or several, yeah. and some, uh, essentially some miniature croissant, right? Didn't eat until 1.30, but lunchtime was from 1.30 to 3.30 because it wasn't about yeah. eating. It was about being social, that connectedness, which is sure. another thing that has to do with staying relaxed and, and being human and feeling safe and calm. And if someone came uh, that you said, hey, we're going to meet you for lunch at 2.45, Instead of yeah. one thirty, there was no stressing. Oh, sure, come on over. Yeah. Kind of start all over again. And then, you know, this goes, I'm saying this, I'm taking time to say this because it goes against everything we're taught. And it goes back to that same thing about do what works for you. So then you go back to work at 3.30 or whatever it is, because it mm -hmm. is kind of whatever it is. Uh, right. You don't go home uh, to, to, to your home, your box at 6.30. No, you typically act at 8.30. You go to the club. Again, a social environment where you play soccer. Yeah. And then you, you, you know, you shower up, you finish, and you start dinner at 11.30. You know, yeah. you finish by 1.30 or 2. And then, again, you're getting up at, at 6. So it's going counter to – now, I was younger back then, but it's going counter to okay. the sleep doctor we have. But, again, you're, you do so much better because – you're not, I don't want to say burning the candle at both ends because it would include some wine with dinner and stuff like that and maybe going yeah. out on the weekend and stuff like that. But you are overall better because of that. You know, again, it's that it's harder to, to it's not as tangible as these other things we can measure. Yeah. That relaxed environment. It's, it would be hard. It would be interesting to do some kind of controlled study on that to like, have somebody working versus like living in the, in that country or any like transfer Brazil or something like that be, very interesting to find that out. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little experiment with that in the next couple of years, I think, because we had a good time. <laughs> on that. So you were on the on the side note, completely unrelated. I want to hear about this boxing in Argentina thing. Professional well, boxing. First of all, I, I don't know why that one keeps coming up as boxing. I used to box underneath a guy, uh, one of my all-time heroes, top three, uh, Bojack, uh, Sidney Walker. He was the lightweight champ back in the 1940s, and one of my all-time heroes. One of the, Toughest guys, nicest guys, best guys I've mm -hmm. ever known. Uh, we were never good enough, according to him, to box underneath him. So we would sneak around. And I was invited. Uh, I got into kickboxing down in Argentina to fight with uh, Hector yeah. Echavarria uh, in okay. La Luna Park there a few times. Uh, exhibition. And, um, uh, yeah, so, so I was kickboxing down there. And it led to some of the other things I got to do down there, too which was a lot right. of fun and left the door to, to Argentina. But as you can tell, Bo was not good on uh, defensive instruction. So I have a nose to prove that, but it, it was great experience. I, I wouldn't do it for a living because of what we know now, unfortunately, you know, the, the long-term damage. Yeah. But yeah, my, my son is doing the, the, the second round of the golden gloves uh, this coming month. And I'm like, okay, you can have fun with that while you're like, don't, don't do a career, man. Just, you know, so well, see well great stuff with that. Just as, as your father, as his father, excuse me, you, you can appreciate this as a, as, a, as a viable option. And I would encourage him to at least harvest his own cells from his fat, if he's got any fat, while he can. Because we've done studies, uh, albeit with, with uh, animals, not humans just yet, although we are in the midst of, 
literally in the middle of a uh, uh, post-concussion syndrome um, study using mm. autologous, meaning one's own stem cells, to reverse the, yeah. the damage. And we've seen great benefits so far, but we haven't published the study, et cetera. But with animals, where we get them stem cells within three hours, sorry, three days of concussion, okay, we can completely reverse it as shown by uh, uh, autopsies, huh. um, you know, obviously post-therapeutic and post-concussive autopsies and uh, maze tests where their function is restored. So Amazing. that is fits to the NFL Players Association as well as the, the NFL as a, because there's a, you know, that's a huge thing. And I don't mean to get too far afield here with the NFL and concussions, but also, you know, National yeah. Hockey League, uh, certainly boxing as a yeah. way from. Uh, that's an option that when, you know, the unfortunate event does happen, we can reverse it as long as we do it quickly. And even if we don't catch it right away, again, with these post-concussion syndrome uh, studies, we show that we can reverse a large part of it. So I know that, you know, I've done stem cell therapy on my, on my knee. So, and I did a, a book on that. So I know a little bit about it. Um, I didn't want to harvest, you know, my 60 year old stem cells from my back. I, w I got some umbilical cells in, in, down in, in Panama. But um, when it comes to storing your own for future, um, how many of those be viable if you store it for like 20 years? I mean, would they, would you have half of them still be working good, good enough? Oh, a decade more than half. Yeah, we're storing yeah. it at 180 below in, in liquid nitrogen. So it's going to stay, yeah. they are going to stay viable. And you can always test for it using cytometry. Yeah. And they're going to, when they harvest them, if they're, uh, and I, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not paid by American Cryostem. I am on their medical advisory board. But it's a public health right. company. What we do, and we're one of the first, is uh, we harvest them again from the fat. We put them in there. But before we put them in storage, uh, we'll run cytometry. And see, okay. okay, you've got this many cells, and we can tell uh, through third-party testing. So we can tell how much, uh, you know, uh, messenger RNA, uh, the cytokines, mm -hmm. the growth factors. There are many of them are contained loosely as well as inside the exosome. So we can evaluate and know what you're getting down the road. And yeah, even with okay. 60 year old cells, there is an advantage because they will tend to engraft versus with the umbilical cord tissue. They're really placeholders telling your own bone marrow, and you know this because you wrote yeah. a book, right? But uh, for those that don't know, you know, and, and, and telling your your bone marrow to make stem cells to come over here where the damage is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come over here. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had the, on my knee. The guy did my knee did uh, like a half a billion, and he did my knee. He did both knees, so they're both balanced. And he says, "Let me give you some IV too." So it's like the whole whole body got re-energized. Re there, it was quite good. Yeah. You go to Reardon's place in Panama. Uh, no, it was, um, I, I, I'm sorry, Costa Rica. I did, I, Reardon was too expensive. I have, I met a guy in, uh, in, in, uh, Costa Rica, actually, not Panama. Yeah. Uh, in Costa Rica, it's Jim Papa, right? Um, Dr. Um, Menses, he just passed away a few months ago. I'm sorry to say, oh. but, uh, his clinic, his clinic is still viable. Great guy. Um, like, yeah, I went down there for a quarter million. I mean, you know, a quarter. Yeah. He bumped up to like half a billion cells total. I'm like, okay, fine. It was, and they had some kind of guarantee. If you don't like it, come back like three months later and get a second shot. So I did. I'm like, okay, fine. So it's, I got a double dose. It was really quite good. And I got what I'm doing a new book for a guy and uh, he's been the largest um, clinic, you know, regenerative clinic and stem cells and, you know, um, HGH stuff down in uh, Mexico. And uh, it's like the largest, it's a really big, big joint down there. So doctor, he's not a doctor. He owns a place, um, Joshua Kettner. So I'm going to, 
uh, finish his book up probably uh, this summer. It'd be interesting. What's great about uh, what's happening on the U.S. is over the last few months uh, in the Central District Court of California, uh, yeah. Dr. Berman was challenging the FDA's, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, they considered stem cells uh, a drug. Okay, so so their categorization of stem cells as a drug was challenged, and he actually won. Uh, it was a very well-written right. decision by the judge. And the FDA had 30 days to to counter the decision to, to file an appeal, and they didn't because, uh, and I say this because, yeah, everyone's frustrated with the FDA, but I think it came from a good place. As we all know, you and I have been around for 60 years. There's, there's shifers, there's bad medicine, people that take advantage, yeah, for the money and don't do it the right way. And, can, and there's been harm done with stem cells or alleged yeah. stem cells or just not done properly, uh, you know, procedures with stem cells. Right. Uh, but uh, so I, so I think the FDA had its heart in the right place, but you know, again, you, everyone rolls their eyes. Yeah. My own stem cells are a drug. It's my own cells. Leave me alone. I want more of them and just spin them out. Give me the good stuff, put them back in, whatever. I mean, the PRP thing has been around a while. This is just better than that. You know? So it's. So, so the, that, 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 um, conception as it were, was lost. And so it's opened up the, the door for us to use them. And now we're really regulated by state law, but you know, we know they work. You can go to just about, any other country, yeah. Japan, for example, Thailand, um, mm -hmm. and, and you see that, oh, yeah, there's plenty of studies, and it, it, you, you can talk to tons yeah. of people and see the anecdotal results. But we have that now available to us in the U.S., so you won't have to travel. And it's part of the point yeah. of the book is to let people know, again, hey, man, it's an option here. Nah, finally. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I did uh, I did some, some uh, what do they call it, you know, medical tourism in Thailand. It was amazing, however, because you know, it wasn't even something new and freaky. It was just an eye exam, <clears throat> but I, I go over there and I, I need an appointment. I had my eyes. I, could, I had the floaties. I didn't know what they were. And I go there, there's like four women lined up, you know, take, take your name, whatnot. They check me in instantly. I go see an eye doc, complete eye exam, tells you what the floaties are, gives you the prescription for, you know, uh, I had also conjunctivitis at the same time. Um, eye prescription, everything is like, how much is it? Uh, 40 bucks, <laughs> like $40. And it was, and I didn't have to wait. It was, it was, it was amazing. Concierge medicine. I just, uh, and did yeah. it work? Did it work? No. Oh, yeah. Everything worked. I, I actually, and I had, before I had my ACL get worse, I had a, um, an, a knee exam there as well. Same thing. I went in, saw the person instantly. This is weird. Doctor spent about a half an hour working on my knee, checking out what was going on. Had X-rays done. It goes, here's your bill. It's like it's fifteen dollars. <laughs> I had an X-ray to complete exam from an orthopedic, you know, guy on my knee for fifteen bucks. So it was like, okay, what's well, now stem cells? They, the prices aren't so cheap on stem cells there anymore. But I think you're better off, like I said, just sticking in the U.S. and going to Santa Monica. Do you guys do that too? Do you use stem cell stuff? I do HR uh, the peptide stuff that you do stem cells too with you we guys do. yeah all right for a while yeah until the there was a period there where the fda came down pretty hard on those that were were using it because they changed the rules and so we had to to park it for a while but now no we're up and running again nice that's great news all right so um make sure check the link below folks the link for his book show notes as well as the clinic we'll put that in there as well so we can go 
and check it out in Santa Monica. Is it in Santa Monica, your clinic? That's one where I am now. Yeah, we have one in uh, Houston and one in Florida, but uh, I would say the okay. main, we'll call it in Santa Monica. Yeah, thanks. Beautiful. That's a great place to go. <laughs> I like it there. Okay. Well, we were Very right good. in the about weeks of winter, unfortunately, but yeah, it's only three weeks. We'll make it. Winter in Santa Monica. I'm sorry. I'm from Ohio. You're not going to get any yeah. any uh, any sympathy here, doctor. Thank you very much. No, I didn't um, it <laughs> it's all right. Any parting words of wisdom on health span or what you want to leave the, the viewers with today? Whoa. What happened to the... Here we go. You're back. Sorry about that. I touched something. Based on what we already covered, I would just say, uh, in short, you know, be, be your own best health advocate and learn right. what you can not just from, from my book, but but there's plenty out there now. Uh, and I learned mm -hmm. the hard way. I went for, for many years. I, I broke my neck back when in my early 20s and mm -hmm. had some bad experiences yeah. with, with Western medicine and uh, lasted as long as I could, 33 years before I looked at, even looked into it again. I, I sort of wow. hobbled along, if you will. And I found yeah. out, you know, the fact that I could have done some really cool things had I looked into it sooner. So I, I would, you know, admonish even people to say, hey, get out there and look around because even if you think, oh, I'm screwed based upon the last evaluation with a physician, things have changed. And so yep. get out there and, and, and make yourself, uh, 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 well, ma make the knowledge uh, that's out there available to you by digging in. And, and I hope the, the book right. that I published was helpful in that way. Yeah, it's called Cheating. I got a, a couple of referrals for you. One of my uh, good friends, Dr. Lomax, is all about being the captain of your own ship. You know, it's like it's we can we can yell at the institutions or pharma, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own body and health. So take charge. It's true. Amen to that. Yeah, very good. So both called Cheating Death. Check it out. Links below. Uh, Dr. McLean, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You bet. All right. And that concludes another episode of the Author Brand Show, where you're going to want to take notes. And if you didn't, like I said, the show notes are below. Check out this guy's book. He obviously knows what he's doing. He's a fit doctor, which is also a good sign that he practices what he preaches. That's it for today, and have a good day. We'll see you next time.